What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Headhunter Hideout. Super excited today. I got Mike Sorelli in the house. And if you don't know Mike, I don't know where you've been on LinkedIn, but he is uh, the co-author of uh, The Talent War, CEO of EF Over Overwatch. And uh, super excited to have you on the show today, Mike. And uh, we actually had this scheduled, I think, a month ago, and I made a big announcement. I got everything pumped up. And then... Uh, there was a scheduling issue that we had, so I had to get a replacement last minute. Uh, but I'm just glad we were able to make it happen. And uh, why, don't, why don't you give a, give everybody just a, a quick intro on, on who you are, what you do, and, uh, and then we'll get into the conversation here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as I always say, I'm still trying to figure out what I do for a living, but uh, <laughs> I fell into uh, talent acquisition and talent management uh, and leadership development. So um, I joined the military out of high school joined the Marine Corps, uh, went into their version of special operations in the, uh, the, the late 90s called Marine Recon. I was a scout sniper. Um, did halfway decent to the point where they said, hey, we, we'd like you to become an officer, where they sent me back to finish my bachelor's. Did that, but before I came back as a Marine officer, uh, I'd made the decision uh, to switch over and try out for the, uh, the Navy SEALs uh, as an officer. Made it through that grueling training uh, that has an 80% attrition rate uh, surrounded by just a bunch of good men and women. Um, enjoyed my time there. Uh, finished out the remainder of my military career. Uh, the remaining 15 years with the SEAL teams did 10 combat deployments. Uh, most of those deployments were at an organization called the uh, the Joint Special Operations Command, um, which is uh, the, the top tier of special operations. And as I approached retirement, uh, the realization that I'd have to learn a new set of skills. But I was troubled with trying to to figure out how to best apply what I'd learned in the uh, in the military and special operations as we wrote about in the uh, the book is you know they've basically written the Harvard business case example for how to build winning teams and so as I went into an MBA program looking at different uh, industries I could disrupt I met some executive search consultants as they were talking <laughs> yeah. about what they did I'm like hey we, we basically did this through a process called assessment and selection in the special operations community um, at first, I went on board Jocko Willink and Leif uh, Babin's company, Echelon Front. They're the two co-authors of a book, uh, New York Times bestseller, called Extreme Ownership. I did the leadership consultant piece as I was standing up the Talent Work Group. Uh, and ultimately, what Talent Work Group is, is we're an executive search firm. Uh, we are a talent advisory. We have a strong core of uh, former HR executives uh, that lead our talent advisory or consulting, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, we also do leadership development in a very unique way uh, because nobody likes to go through leadership development sitting in a classroom. We get you out of the classroom uh, and we actually put people through an experiential uh, form of leadership development, which usually sticks a lot better than just receiving leadership development through PowerPoint. Um, so extremely excited about what we've built, uh, the wake of the book, uh, you know, it's been a, a funnel filler, but I'll say this, the best part of writing the book, and we didn't realize it, George and I, is the amount of people that we've got to meet, such as you. You know, if we didn't write that book, we wouldn't have probably connected with you, Joel. And uh, just the feedback we get and conversations we have out in town with people who are passionate about talent uh, has been the best reward for us. I love it, man. I love it. It's, there's so many different directions I really, I really want to go, um, but I'm going to stick on just one because uh, that's helpful. But I think one of the, one of the things that I, I love the most is um, you know, this idea of high-performing teams and 
got culture. Uh, to be honest with you, I think a lot of the lo- those terms get, you know, they're kind of buzzwords, right? Like everyone's talking about high performing teams. Everybody's talking about um, culture, and and I I love the the way that you bring um, actual experience of building high performing teams. And I when I when I think about you know, especially in the armed forces, it's like you go in and you're going to experience really, really high stressful situations that, I mean, it's like, how do you prepare for that? And, uh, and I think when you, when you look at recruitment, at least the conversations I've had, everybody wants people who have done whatever position you, you're hiring for. They, they always want people who are doing that role or have done it in the past. Um, and so I'd, I'd love to hear from you, like in terms of when you look at a high performing team and how you define that and you're working with, with companies, how do you start to to try and change that mindset that the best person for the position is somebody that's done it for the last 10 years or has, um, you know, that they're, they're, they're ultimately the best, best candidate to go for it. Cause that's what I see all the time in hiring is everybody's trying to get people to make, make lateral moves. You hear it all the time. Let's go after our competition and, and find, the best person who's currently doing doing that in the role, but how do you change that mindset, and especially how it applies to people who are coming out of um, the military, the armed forces? Like, how do you how do you how do you bring that to hiring managers? How do you get them to start thinking differently at how they evaluate high performers? If that makes sense, that's a long question well, too. No, 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 no. It's a, and it's a great question. Here's the reality: it's hard to do. It is hard to change behaviors in a 40-year-old man or woman who's been in talent acquisition and hired a certain way. That That's just the uh, the God honest uh, truth. Let me step back. So you, you talk about culture and high-performing teams. You know, leadership and culture are, are inexplicably uh, tied. So, you know, at the end of the day, you don't get to choose whether you're a good leader or not. That's not your decision to make. That's That's the people that work for you. They decide whether you're a good leader. Same thing as a business leader. You don't get to choose what your culture is. Of course, you can push it in a certain direction. You can write down your 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 you know your your objectives and goals to to create this culture. But it's ultimately what you do. It's not what you say in company wide meetings. It's not what's up on the lobby uh, lobby wall in terms of core values. It's what you do day to day, and everyone loves every when every company starts out. They they choose their core words. But if we come in and watch, the true litmus test is, do you follow through on a day-to-day uh, uh, you know, uh, cadence with what you say you do? And rarely is that the, uh, the case. Um, now, yes, people default to hiring people who have done it before. That lateral transfer you're talking about. Hey, if I run a McDonald's, let's go hire that that GM from Burger King in the hopes that Burger King has uh, developed their people in the right way and they, they're just a plug and play. That's what yeah. you're saying. We're going to get somebody to do a lateral transfer from the position in another company in the hopes that, that they know what they're doing and that I can just plug them in, they'll do the job, and I don't have to build a relationship with them and I don't have to develop them. And that really works out. Um, we're not saying experience isn't, isn't important. Uh, you know, George Randall and I wrote about it in the book. We're, no, we're saying good experience absolutely matters. Experience tells you where somebody's been. And ultimately, character tells you where somebody's going. I don't know how many people I've met that say they've got 20 years in industry and they are just toxic to the core. Um, so, yes, if you have certain bars for technical abilities of a role, that's that's fine. Uh, to make sure you're not setting those bars artificially high, which we tend to do uh, in talent acquisition. Identify what the minimum requirements are, 
once somebody's met those gates, those gates are closed, and now you're assessing them for character. Special operations, and I know you're, you're going to go this way uh, regardless. They've built some of the most high-performing teams in, in the world, and there's a, there's a the business world has a fascination with how special operations conducts business. I mean, yeah, I don't think you would uh, disagree with that, and there's good reason. Special operations does not hire for industry experience. I don't go to a high school or or, or, or to college and say, who here has special operations experience? Because nobody <laughs> would raise their hand. We'd say, hey, totally. that, that, that's unfortunate. Go over to the French Foreign Legion, get about five years, come back uh, when, when you have experience under your belt. So by nature uh, of our talent pool that we pull from in, in our industry, special operations had to become very good at potential-based hiring. Now, when we say potential-based uh, hiring, you're assessing somebody for their potential, their capacity, and guess what? Humans are not very good at that. Um, yet, special operations over half a century has evolved this process to where they've gotten good. Special operations, unlike the business world, has the longest behavioral interview of any organization, anywhere from a year to two years. And even then, they still get it wrong. But they've proven the model when you hire for character and train for skill, you can build an organization that it's gonna, that's going to dominate its industry or its competition. So, uh, so I'm curious, just even going in that direction, like how, when I think about the like, interview situation in general, it's what, two to three meetings with somebody. Yeah, you've got some situational questions. You've got, you know, we've got some like, some, some proven, uh, I guess, questions that you can ask people. But um I know one of the things you talk about a lot about is like that process, right? Like have, you have to have the same process that you put people through. Um, you know, when, when you're meeting with, with companies, what do those processes look like most of the time when you meet with them and you're going in? I mean, was, was it surprising? Like as you started going into companies to see how most companies approach talent, you know, kind of scouting people, their talent pipeline, interviewing, feedback i mean what, what are the processes look like that you that you find it, i would say there's usually two things we see is one there is no uh systematic process so every time they go into the hiring process it's different and so the data you collect is is basically useless um or two um they just have not innovated within the hiring process again what special operations calls assessment and uh and selection i've got george randall walking right behind me um You'll have to have him on if you haven't, my co-author. Uh, he's got 20 plus years in, in talent acquisition. The process, people want to dive into the process. It's almost like we, we also get the uh, the question, what's the one interview question I need to ask to make the final determination of whether I'm going to hire somebody? And we're like, you're, you're not getting our point. Every company has to figure out what the pro what the right process is for them. And that's going to be different for every company. And it's going to be different for different roles within that company. What you're looking for in a great salesperson is going to be wildly different for, from a great engineer or, or an HR uh, professional. The, the talent profiles are different. You have to come up with a process that has been defined on what success looks like. If you don't know what a great A player in your company looks like, then you don't know what you're looking for. And so we talk a lot about these talent profiles which the first step is defining success. What does a su successful uh, hire look uh, look like in each function, in each role in our company? And then design the process based off that using a little innovation. Uh, a, a, you know, three interviews in a row, uh, while you can get some great data, uh, is not a very innovative process. So you've got to find ways to get people out of their comfort zones. 
the reason we say this is when people are taken out of their comfort zones, that's when true character starts to emerge. It's yeah, the whole heart of special operations. Special operations, we don't design the training to be, and to I think to most people it looks sadistic, what we do to these young men and women, putting them in the ocean for extended periods of time until they're near hypothermia. It's not because we want to see people in pain. I don't like seeing anyone in pain. Uh, we do that because we know when we push them to their mental and physical limits, we start to see the true self come out. And, and we want to see if this person has the, the, the grit, the resilience, the team ability, um, the perseverance to, to be a great future SEAL uh, operator or a Army Special Forces operator. Uh, that's why we do what we do. And again, that process is over 50 plus years old and it continues to evolve to this date. So once you get good hires into the company or even bad hires, you're tracking them throughout the, the life cycle within your company to determine what was it about that individual that made him such a great performer within this company? What was it in the interview process that we could say, hey, we need to look for these things in the future or even a bad hire? What was it that we missed in the interview process uh, that could have saved us the catastrophic pain of, of letting this, this bad hire deal with clients for five years uh straight are you, are you guys um and are you guys using like um assessments or like any kind of behavioral assessments cognitive assessments like how do you is do you have like a universal one that you go to or do you kind of work with different companies that have different assessments as well because i know a lot of different companies have them and like what's your what's your take on i guess what's your take on those types of behavioral assessments pretty accurate or how do you yeah, how do you, how would you uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I'm going to go with the old Washington D.C. answer. It depends. It depends on what the company needs. So yes, assessment should absolutely be part of a multivariate interview process. George Randall and Tom Lokar uh, definitely have their preferred uh, assessments from the Hogan uh, to to the Elite Performance Indicator, uh, but ultimately it's just one data point uh, to to that multivariate process. Uh, it depends on what you're looking for and what George and Tom do as they come in and identify what the best test for you is based off uh, uh, off your requirements, whether, again, that's the predictive index or, or, or the Hogan. Awesome. All right. And, and I just I just wanted to double check in with that. So I want to we got a couple of a uh, couple of people as well who have questions in the audience. So Aaron just said amazing work, Joel. I think he's just talking about the fact that I got you on as, as a guest. <laughs> I'm like uh, Benjamin asked, he said, what kind of staff in does Mike's company do? I think you touched upon that, but um, it, it, you guys aren't industry specific. I mean, it's really the size of the company that you're going for. Or like, you, I guess, what's the ideal company that you work with? So from an entrepreneurial aspect, this this was a, a lot of iterating until we found our, our, our sweet spot. And, you know, we, we, we started with the Fortune 500 and that, that just was not a fit because we were placing very senior military leaders, both on the officer and enlisted side. And where we found that we, we, we had the best fit, even into CEO seats of, of mid-sized companies, uh, was was small to mid-sized companies who are usually privately owned. So we, we we focus on the SMB market. We are industry agnostic, but we're usually placing from the general manager position all the way up to C-suite or even board of directors. There is nothing like grabbing a, a uh, transitioning uh, general or admiral and placing them on the board if your company is big enough to, to definitely bring a fresh perspective on the leadership and how to run, uh, you know, ethical uh, organizations. But we've placed in healthcare, we've placed heavily in construction, technology, manufacturing, people that are just looking for solid leaders. Now, uh, we don't only place military veterans with the wealth of experience we have between Carly Walton, Tom Lokar, and George Randall. Um, 
you know, George Randall was the, the former CHRO uh, of Midal. He's been a former chief people officer, very high up at HP uh, within uh, talent acquisition. Uh, they also will go find, you're talking about aggressive HR leaders, the people you need to take charge of your talent acquisition and talent management programs. Uh, they just have the the, the credibility, as we, we call it, the WASTA, uh, to, to know who's who in the zoo and who would be great uh, to help you build the people side of your business. Thank you for tuning into this episode. I wanted to take a moment to introduce my sponsor, Huxo Media are the world's leading content marketing agency for the recruitment industry. They're currently working with over 250 recruitment agencies that includes 3,000 recruitment consultants across the world. They help them build LinkedIn brands that open up more opportunities by following a proven methodology daily. In 2021, the hugely successful Huxo Academy is changing. They have launched an eight-week personal brand program which you can roll out across your whole business. The Academy is aimed at helping traditional recruiters that rely on outbound calls to attract candidates and clients. Those who often lack the knowledge of how to use LinkedIn for anything other than posting jobs and in-mails. They struggle with both the ideas and the confidence when it comes to producing relevant content. Post-COVID-19, we all know that the world is truly digital. The modern recruiter needs to have a unique and consistent LinkedIn presence that offers value to their community and drives opportunities inbound. The Huxo Academy helps every recruiter in your agency achieve this in eight weeks, enrolling a new cohort of training at the start of each calendar month. For the first 50 customers of 2021, they are offering you the chance to enroll unlimited users onto the program for 12 months at no extra cost. So you have 50 or 500 consultants now, or you plan to hire more throughout the year, you can rest assured that they will get all the training they need to build a brand that wins business on LinkedIn. Please click the link attached to this episode or DM me on LinkedIn to find out how your agency can join the program. If you've been in this academy, please add in some information about your experience. We'd love to hear from you and why you chose to partner with us as you truly believe in the impact it can have in the way that modern recruiters work. Well, John, we got John Ruffini here as well. He says, Mike, in favor of Swift. So this is short hiring process, processes, so as not to lose skill, talent, and multi-step, multi-visited ones. So does it depend? Yeah, and, and you know, I think this question ties in great, right? Because we talk about with the interview process, you know, you're taking people out of the comfort zone. You're, you you want to obviously take the right amount of time, but we've also got to think about we're in that market right now where you know that most candidates have multiple offers. There's a lot of counter offers. You want to move people through quickly. So how do you work and consult people into that? I think it's a great question, John. Yeah, that's a great question, John. And, and there's no good answer for that. You know, you just hit it, Joel. What, what's the conditions in the market? Is a buy or a sell market? Uh, much like real estate. Uh, if, if it is a candidate rich uh, environment, then maybe you can be a little longer uh, with your hiring process. I do believe in hire slowly fire quickly. You do want to make sure that you're putting the person through a diligent review, that you're not rushing the pro, uh, process. We talked about it in the book. And when we looked at a lot of companies who experience growth, which is a great uh, you know, thing to have uh, for your company when your company's growing, it's also a big problem set if not handled correctly. And what people do when they experience growth is they start to uh, speed up their, their hiring process and they get in what we call, George calls it a butts in seats 
mentality. We're growing. I need 50 additional people on the line. Let's hurry up and make this uh, the, these decisions. And that's when you start to make bad hiring decisions. And remember, it just takes one bad character to to, to poison your uh, your culture. Um, you know, to John the John's point though, if if you feel you have somebody who is just an A player. Uh, and you believe they potentially could have some uh, other offers on the table, then yeah, that that's a discussion with your fellow leaders that, hey, we, I think we need to move quickly on this man or woman to make an offer as, uh, you know, as quickly as possible based off what we've seen. Um, I'd love to say that there's a 100% uh, you know, uh, solution to, to making solid hires, but we all know uh, there's not at the end of the day, uh, you know, you're dealing with humans and humans yeah. are the most wild variable uh, in the history of man. Um, everyone, you know, someone could look great on paper. They interview well, they show you everything you want to see. And then as you know, you make that higher and it just turns out to be a dud. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's a, it's a huge challenge, right? That's why anytime, uh, you know, I, I hear people who've got, even, even like from the other side, you know, there's a lot of advice about like the perfect resume, or like putting things t- together and really, you know, how, how do you, how can you measure that when each person has different, way that they make decisions and they have different different personalities they have different things that they look at um i'm i'm curious so from from the business standpoint right now how much of the bit how much of your business is like direct placement and how much of it is advisory services and like what do you see is, is in most demand right now you know when you're working with a new client are they more excited about the advising that you guys are able to do and the, the consulting or are, are you seeing it right now where it's just super busy on the search side you, you know what we're seeing is actually a hybrid is a lot of people come to us for a specific search, but they tie either talent acquisition training or consulting talent management and leadership uh, development in into that contract. We enjoy doing both. Um, let me tell you why we love the consulting because we can go find leaders for you all day long and make those select placements. But if we can help you set up the processes and procedures, a, a best-in-class talent acquisition and, and leadership development program, we're setting your organization up for the long term. And, and eventually, if you have a world-class talent acquisition, talent management process, you no longer need to come to us for uh, for those placements. And, and at the end of the day, even though we value you know our, our partner's business, we, we, we don't we don't want to be that, that, that crutch for them. We, we want to see them succeed. And, and that means succeed without us uh, eventually. Yeah. Uh, I love it. And uh, John just said, he just said, thank you. So I appreciate that question as well, John. So guys, if you have questions as well, feel free to type them in. Mike, I, you know, I, I ran across you guys. Uh, well, I ran across you because of your LinkedIn content. Like, I feel like you just stormed kind of on the scene with just like awesome videos, really straight to the point, like produced well, but not like overly produced, very authentic. Um, kind of give me, give me some insights into the branding strategy that you've used on LinkedIn and how that's kind of helped overall with the book launch, but then also like just growing the business. Like how much of an impact has the branding strategy that you've used worked on LinkedIn? Because I, I feel like you've got a really, uh, you get really good engagement, which engagement, you know, obviously can be hacked, but obviously um, I've read read through the comments. People are really engaged with your, your content. You get great conversations started. Um, so like walk me through that because that's not necessarily that common within the recruitment industry to see leaders, uh, particularly higher level leaders within recruitment organizations so active on the platform. So how did that happen? 
Hey, is it safe to say that the the recruiting industry is just sort of boring by nature? Because nobody, uh, nobody's nobody's brought it, this like energy. Exactly, it's very um, safe to say. Very safe to say, I probably pissed off half the audience here. It, I, that's not my intent. Um, what I did, and, and what our team has done, George, Carly, Tom, and our, our what, my media team. I, I call them media team six. A little play off of uh, previous uh, uh, military units. Um, and they've done a great job. Um, so, you know, there's an old saying, if you don't take an interest in politics, politics will assuredly take an interest in you. Same thing with your brand. If you don't control your brand, somebody else will control it for you. Uh, I don't like being on social media. Uh, it, it's just not who I uh, am for most of my, my SEAL career. So you're not, uh, you're, not did, tic, you're not a TikTok star yet? You're not not a TikTok. It? No, I don't, I don't <laughs> think I'll be dancing uh, anytime soon. <laughs> Uh, hey, uh, the, particularly the roles I had for like the last seven years of my SEAL career, yeah. like there was no social media. You couldn't do that. And so sure. this was very foreign to me, but I take the special operations sort of paradigm uh, of how we approach problem sets, uh, which comes down to test a little, learn a lot. And, and I don't have any experience with branding. I'm not a, a, a you know, a marketing uh, professional by trade. And we've gone to experts out there. That's what I do. I go find experts and I, I, I take certain techniques they utilize and then sort of bring them together and, and, and make it my own. And, and that's what we've done. And um, we've seen a lot of success with the LinkedIn videos, but I guess what? That will only last so long. So we've got to find a way to innovate those and, and continually evolve uh, to make sure that we're delivering good content to people. But there is, no, like, again, the best part of the content is the engagement we get talking with people that are passionate about talent, pas passionate about leadership development. And, and even if it doesn't bring in any any uh, clients or, or, or money, that's fine, dude. We're having a lot of fun with that. I, I think you take care of uh, uh, of your, your prospective clients and they eventually uh, take care of you. Yeah, no, it's, it's huge. And I, th I think uh, that was one of the things that really stuck out to me. And I love the fact that you guys are doing that with the with the branding on LinkedIn because I think uh, you know for a lot of the talent world, like there there's a big disconnect. I mean, there's a number of disconnects, but but one of them definitely is on the branding side where there's not enough of us posting that valuable content where you're able to educate the audience, you're able to connect with them. Um, so I love that you're disrupting it in in that way as well. But then also coming in as a true consultant, which I think is another issue for the recruitment industry. It's easy to get into the mentality of like you said, the butts in seats mentality where you just transactional, transactional, but unless you're going into companies and doing what you guys do, which is consult them, uh, it's, it's massive. I'd, I'd love to, love to kind of, um, dig into a little bit too, in terms of, um, you know, with the candidates that you're working with. Uh, so, you know, people who are going from the military in a, in a transitioning into, um, civilian life, what, what are some of those, um, big issues that you see for people, uh, who are in that situation and and what are some things that you know if, the, if you you're, you're a hiring manager out there if you're a recruiter out there what are some of the things that um you know recruiters and hiring managers can really do to kind of help uh people and 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 kind of just stay open-minded as well because I, I think a lot of hiring managers are kind of closed-minded if, if that makes sense so there are definitely some biases uh, against veterans uh, in, in the hiring process. There, there's no way to cut that uh, other than that. Um, Talent Work Group deals with, again, a very small niche uh, of, uh, of veterans. In fact, we, we use the word military leaders. These are proven, experienced leaders that have a lot of leadership uh, tenure 
under their belts. They're either very senior on the enlisted side or, or senior uh, officers. And again, they're looking for executive executive level roles in small to mid-sized uh, companies. So we're very selective of the people we bring into our town pool. And then as well as HR professionals with no military background or business executives with no military background, at the end of the day, we're looking for, uh, for character. Um, I believe the biases within the recruiting world towards veterans naturally comes from Universal Studios or Warner Brothers or whatever bad movie uh, you saw depicting, uh, you know, military veterans as these PTSD-ridden, um, uh, you know, war-torn uh, people. And while there is some truth to uh, a certain demographic uh, of vets that that applies to, um, most of the men and women that we place have an, uh, a lot of combat deployments under their belt, and they're the most well-adjusted uh, people that you'll ever meet. In fact, it was uh, General Mattis that doesn't believe in something called post-traumatic stress. He believes in post-traumatic growth. That these leaders who've been through some of these uh, these these austere environments uh, actually are more uh, emotionally stable. They're more more empathetic to their fellow man. Uh, they're more adjusted. And the thing about veterans too is they have such a wide breadth of experience that they make great general managers. Um, and when we say general managers, that that is a leader capable of stepping into the COO seat or, or you know, taking over a marketing team just to, to, by, by mere fact of leading them without uh, any uh, hard marketing skills. And the reason they have bring such a wide breadth of experiences on one deployment, they could be in Afghanistan, which is a very unique culture. And less than a year and a half later, they're in Syria, which again is a very unique culture or Somalia or, or East Africa. And so they're always going against these different problem sets for which they have little training other than uh, just a strong core set of leadership skills. And they get on the ground, they have to identify the problems, understand the vision of their commanders and, and ultimately solve those problems or seize opportunities in, in, in accordance with the, the commander's intent and, and desired end state. And so that's why they can step into businesses. As long as they build a relationship with their boss, they understand what their boss wants to achieve. Uh, they have proven they can lead teams to achieve those objectives. Yeah, no, I, I love it. So what about, um, you know, maybe people who are transitioning that maybe aren't in kind of like a quote unquote higher level leadership role. Um, you know, what is, what's some advice that you'd have for, for, for people who are in that situation? Um, Cause I've, I've spoken to a lot of, of veterans who come out and it's, it's like, you know, even uh, people who were doing recruitment, for example, and they're, they're struggling to find a recruitment job within the corporate space. What do you, do you have like coaching for, for people in that situation or like what advice would you give to people who are out there who are, are in that situation? You, you know what, whether you're a senior military leader uh, or a young veteran getting out, I don't think the, 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 the transition framework changes all that much. And actually that's the same transition framework from somebody moving from one industry to another. And what we say is it really, uh, it starts with defined success. If you enter into a, you know, a, a career seeking uh, sort of uh, effort and you haven't defined what success looks like on the other end uh, of that career seeking uh, process, then you're probably going to settle for something that that's far from what you want. So that conversation of defining success sometimes means if I have a wife, she's involved in that process. What really matters to us? Is it salary? Is it title? Is it location? You have to identify the criteria that are most important to you, and then you've got to weight those and, and rank them out. Um, for a lot of vets, uh, I say 
you don't know what you don't know. Uh, open your aperture. Um, we are conditioned to think when you get out of the, the military, uh, unless you have a business background, it's like, oh my God, I got to go work for a Fortune 500 or I got to go work at Google or Amazon uh, because that's what you see every day in marketing and advertising. But 99% uh, of the businesses in this country are classified as small to medium-sized businesses. And these are, a lot of them are great family-owned uh, businesses that put a precedence on leadership. And so you don't know about that ABC company in Austin, Texas, unless you've done your your research. Um, and I even fell into that trap. When I got out of the uh, the SEAL teams and I went into an MBA program, they asked me, what do you want to do? I, well, having gone to SEAL Foundation events, which, which is an amazing foundation that takes care of the uh, NSW families, Naval Special Warfare families, uh, there's either investment bankers, venture capitalists, or private equity guys. So when I went into my MBA program, they said, what do you want to do? I said, oh, investment banking, private equity, or venture capital. And as I went down a finance track, I realized I was miserable. This is not yeah. playing to my core strengths. I love yeah. value creation before my eyes. And so I had to identify uh, an area I thought I could disrupt with a different approach, a business approach, and that was talent acquisition. And so I lacked talent acquisition experience. What did I, I do? I went out and found my brother, uh, George Randall, who was a former veteran himself with 25 years, Carly Walden, who speaks six languages. She was a, 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 in, in the Air Force and, and guys like Tom Lokar, all who have cut their teeth in, in talent acquisition and think the same way that I do. And so, uh, you know, our path has not been without uh, falling a lot. We, our knees are pretty much uh, bloodied by this point. But man, it's been a hell of a lot of fun. And we're very confident it. that we can grow this business into a disruptor in the, the HR space. Uh, somebody asked me the other day, they're like, if somebody had told you that uh, you were going to end up in HR while you were uh, uh, as a SEAL in JSOC, how would you react to it? I'm like, oh, I would have punched him in the face and taken that as an insult. <laughs> no, hey, this, um, the, you know what? This space, you know, it's, it's, it's I, I think the talent acquisition space as a whole uh, it needs it needs fresh perspectives and it needs disruption, you know, in, in, in a major way. And I think we're going to start to see tech coming in in a different way. I know we've, you know, it's like we, we can look at Monster and, and uh, Career Builder. Obviously, they were set to revolu revolutionize the recruiting industry and they did change the industry. But I think we're going to start to see a lot more tech within our space. I think we're going to see a lot more consulting based recruitment. Um, I, I'm curious, like it's just in terms of, of the business. Well, I mean, do you operate on contingent terms or are you retained? Like what's, what's the, what's kind of the, the business model as, as far as that's concerned? Just, just curious. Contingency is a, is a dirty word to, uh, to us. We, we worked off, uh, we, we work off of, uh, retained, uh, searches uh, at the level that we're, uh, we're, uh, we're searching for, but te technology is a tool to absolutely be used in the hiring process, talent acquisition, but it's a tool. You can't, uh, you know, delegate your decision to the technology yeah. tools that you utilize in the hiring process. We, you know, George and I were on, uh, I believe it was the JobSync uh, podcast and people kept bringing up AI. AI is going to be another tool in that multivariate process. But um, if you think I'm going to delegate my decision to, to AI and let AI tell me who I should hire, you're absolutely wrong. I mean, we thought AI was going to predict that, uh, you know, Joe Biden was going to win the, the election by 13%. It was a lot more narrow than we, uh, we thought. AI is not there yet. Maybe it will be well into to the future, but can you use it as a, uh, as a tool? A absolutely. 
dude, here's the thing about talent acquisition. And, and as I, I've jumped into the space, it is so critical to every business organization, to the HR professionals out there, you matter. Now, if you become very good at what you do, you will become irreplaceable to your company. You should be, as George Randall says, a student of the business. And that's why actually being an HR professional is harder than, than, than a lot of positions in a company. Um, and I, I won't say a specific function, but you not only have to be skilled at HR, but you have to understand every department and function of that business and how you can best support them on the people side. And at the end of the day, the greatest strategic competitive advantage any business can ever hope to achieve. It's not its technology stack. It's not this proprietary trademark or anything along those lines. It's your people. It's your people. And it, it's, it's always it's been so your people. Huge. It will always be your people. It's, it, you know, but it's like, we hear these, to be honest with you, we hear these messages all the time where like you see that Richard Branson quote, where I'll be talking about like, you know, your, your people and, but, but, I think a lot of times people see stuff like that and they wash over it. Um, but I, I just think of like, if you're going to add a new piece of equipment into your, uh, you know, you got a manufacturing facility and you're looking into some new technology or a new piece of equipment, you spend thousands and thousands of hours because you know the return on investment. And then the person running the machine, it's like a 10 minute process. So let's just try and fill the role. Uh, and, and so I think, you know, I, I love that approach. And I, and I just wonder like, how do you, how do you hammer that home with, with people you're working with? you know, with, and you're consulting, like, how do you hammer home people is, is the number one, who you bring on the team is going to impact way more than any other investment. Like, how do you, how do you hammer home? And why, why do you think it's so lost uh, coming from the environment you're in, where obviously you're in it with a team of people who anytime something massive can happen, people are going to lose their lives. Potentially you're going to, you're either going to, you know, nail the mission or it's going to be a failure and it's going to be, um, you know, something that impacts everyone's lives. Like, how do you, how do you go from that and then go into the corporate world to see how big corporations even treat people? Like, how, how why do you think that, why do you think we've had that transition in the business world where we just devalue people so much? Tom Lokar said it best. I'm not going to be as uh, eloquent as him. I'm actually going to butcher his quote. And he basically said that, you know, stuff, uh, capital, uh, has a limited return. Capital expenditures, technology, whatever you, you buy, that manufacturing equipment has a limited uh, ROI. But there's an unlimited return on people if you know how to get the most out of them. If you continually invest in them and develop in them, uh, they can provide an unlimited return to uh, to any organization. Yeah, Richard Branson has a, uh, a great quote. And, and there's a lot of, uh, of great business leaders that still understand that. But for the most part, and you know this one, hire for character, train for skill, it's almost clinically dead. Uh, they've, they've been trying to resuscitate that. They've got the paddles on there, uh, but it's not being resuscitated. The few organizations that understand that, and COVID is a perfect example, where you know companies that were just hiring for objective things like industry experience, GPA, the school they graduated from, um, and weren't hiring for character, when they hit COVID, they didn't make good hires, meaning people of character who didn't know how to deal with the ambiguity and the chaos of COVID. And some of those people shut down and hence you had holes in the team. But the organizations that were hiring for character and investing and developing their, their people nonstop prior to COVID, even during the good, uh, you know, the good economic boom of 2015 to 2019, when COVID hit, their teams thrived. Their teams thrived 
through the, uh, the, the adversity. Their teams were unflappable. And actually, they're going to emerge from this crisis a lot stronger, probably having taken more of the market share or watching some of their competitors uh, go to the wayside. Yeah, I mean, this. I think even just uh, coming out of this time, I think you you can really tell the companies that uh, that are thriving. And I mean, I mean, we're seeing hiring boom like crazy as well right now. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Well, I know we're we're up to about forty minutes here, so I want to be sensitive of your time. And this is usually where we uh, kind of end the show. I feel like there's, I feel like I have a million questions I could ask just about how you guys work with with clients. But for people who um, want to get a hold of the talent war. I'd, I'd highly recommend picking it up and and just really taking your time with with the book as well, because you guys go into a lot of issues that I think people have confused. Like culture is a great example. Like I love what what you guys say and just how uh, I heard you say this in a podcast recently, where where you're like this whole idea of like hiring your business being a family, right? Or so you know, it's like you you hear that all the time, uh, and really it's like no, you want a high performing team, but it's important that you know people don't get those things confused. So for anyone who's out there, like how best way to pick up the book, like where, where can they get the book best place to get a hold of you? Like where LinkedIn, what, what do you think? What do you think here? Just so for people can get, get a hold of you. I, you know, I, I haven't been to a bookstore in ages. Uh, I get all my books from Amazon. That's yes. the best place you can, uh, you can find us. Um, I just never and, like and to it, promote Amazon on here. So I like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they own the market. Um, and if you need to get a hold of us, it's talentwargroup.com yeah. or email info at talentwargroup.com. I'll say this to uh, to people. We usually, and George Randall came up with this, and, and it's so beautiful, it drives it home. How do you know whether you have a talent mindset or not that you're putting a priority on people? And he said, when you treat your human capital with the same amount of discipline, rigor, and focus as your financial capital, then you know you have a talent mindset. But if we're honest with ourselves and as business owners, we, we, we look in the mirror and say, am I doing that? Usually the answer is no. We know you're looking at your balance sheet and P&L at the end of the month. Are you actually doing an assessment? Are you doing you know, uh, succession planning? Are, are you evaluating or have the conversation of, hey, how are people performing this month? Um, that's the determination of whether you're trying to win this talent war or not. Yeah, I love it. Well, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you. Uh, Coming on, I'm glad we 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 got it uh, nailed out, and uh, yeah, I'll I'll put the links too for the book, for your LinkedIn page, for the website. I'll put those all in uh, in the show as well. Um, I usually like to have people just end up with like if, and and this, this is I think will be an interesting one. But if you if you look at recruiters, um, you know maybe have just started in their career. Obviously, we're in kind of a, a unique time. So what what advice would you have for somebody uh, that's just starting out? in recruitment, this is their first year, like what's the one piece of advice that you'd give or that you've, you've seen that people need to have to be successful in the recruitment space? Well, not to, 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 to promote my book, but read, read the talent war. Um, yeah. And what I think you'll take from that is you have to develop your process and your feedback loop. So, you know, George has 80,000 hires under his belt or his teams. And he will tell you he still gets this wrong. But every time he gets it wrong, he does a little after action. That part of that feedback loop of what was it that I missed or our team missed and how do we change our process going forward? And so if you use each hire as a means to get better, 
then you're on a path to success. It doesn't mean you're going to knock every hire out of the park. That's just impossible. There is no flawless victory in, in, in this talent war, but create your process, continue to learn from each hire, evolve, and you'll do, you'll, you'll become a world-class uh, recruiter, talent acquisition specialist, or even future CHRO. I love it. Well, Mike, I appreciate you and everybody who's out there too. If you're not following Mike, on LinkedIn, definitely do it. His content's different level or his team's content. Uh, but they go live. They, they've got put out a ton of value. And, you know, if you're looking to connect with Mike, just send him uh, a LinkedIn connection request and just mention on there that you saw this episode as well. It's always helpful. Um, but I appreciate it, man. I'm glad we are able to, to sync up. And hopefully, uh, I'd, I mean, I'd love to get George on here as well. I know. I, I'm surprised I didn't get both of you at the same time. I should have. That, that was a mistake. I will. I'm going to connect. I'm going to connect, reconnect you with the media team. You guys go point to point. I'm telling you, you want to have George on or even Tom yeah. Lokar uh, or Carly Walden. Um, exceptional, yeah, exceptional people. Awesome. All right, Mike. Appreciate it, man. You have a good one. And everyone else out there, Karen, John, uh, Samita, I appreciate all of you out there as well. And anyone who's viewing this afterward, you guys have a good one. We'll be back next week with another guest and I'll have an announcement on Friday who that's going to be. So I appreciate you guys. Take care.